Hello and welcome to Disseminate the Computer Science Research Podcast. I'm your host, Jack Wardby. I'm delighted to say I'm joined today by Haralampus Gavrilidis, who will be talking about his ICD 2023 paper, In-Situ Cross-Database Query Processing. Haralampus is a research associate in the Database Systems and Information Management Group of TU Berlin, and his research interests lie within cross-platform query optimization and execution in federated polystore systems, big data query languages, and IoT data management. Haralampus, welcome to the show. Hi, Jack. Great to be here. Thanks for the invitation. The pleasure's all ours. Let's let's dive straight in. So can you maybe tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you became interested researching in data management? Yeah, sure. So um, it became all in my previous life where I was a web developer. And there um, I actually um, enjoyed working um, with databases. So um, I was always uh, waiting for the time um, to, you know, write my SQL queries and tune the database and things like that. And um, yeah, so that led that uh, to the fact that during my studies, I then kind of yeah specialized in in data management, if you will. And then I actually wanted to um, you know become a web developer, but then I realized that yeah, um, I don't want to become a web developer. I want to become a data engineer. But I said, okay, now I know nothing about data management, so you know let's um, do a master's um, in data management. And then at the same time, I dropped um, yeah, web development and I started working as a, a research assistant um, in our group. And this is when I found out that um, I'm also a little bit into uh, research. And then, yeah, I was like, okay, let's give it a try. Let's um, continue with a PhD. So, um, yeah, a couple of years later, um, yeah, here talking about uh, my cross-database paper. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. So from the front end to the back end to research, that's the that's the path. Um, cool. So let's let's talk a little bit about cross database uh, query processing then. So maybe you can tell us kind of what it is and maybe why we need it. Yeah, sure. So um, so what it is, it's um, yeah, essentially decentralized query processing on um, let's say multiple heterogeneous data sources. So just imagine you have um, data lying around in in multiple um, systems, m- multiple databases, and you want to um, process, let's say, analytics queries on that. So essentially, you need uh, some way um, to, um, yeah, answer your queries. And um, yeah, that's pretty much it, like from the very high level. So essentially, it's something that we need for data integration, let's say. Okay, nice. So I guess... Maybe then we can talk about maybe the, some of the existing approaches to um, to kind of sort of solving this problem and right. why we why we need to do research in this area still, right? Right, 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 right. So um, yeah, so essentially we have the mediator wrapper approach um, that was introduced to um, let's say um, integrate data from different sources and um, let's say looking at nowadays setups where we have multiple uh, systems and we still use this architecture, um, let's say this has two major downsides. Um, So first, um, so we need an additional execution engine and we all know query engines are really complex software artifacts. No one, I mean, they get decades or like many years to be built and um, they need uh, specialized people to be maintained and, and, and so on and so forth. And then uh, when having this um, additional query engine, um, you actually also need to deploy it somewhere. So you essentially need hardware resources, like either on-premise or um, in the cloud. You, you would need to, um, let's say, give it some, some hardware to run on. And then you also need to maintain that infrastructure. So essentially you need um, what we nowadays call um, DevOps engineers to actually you know, uh, maintain this infrastructure with your software on it. And this all leads to monetary cost. So um, this is one aspect. And, and the other, um, let's say, disadvantage uh, of the mediator upper architecture is that it results to um, redundant data movement. So let's say I have two data sources, A and B, wanting to join, uh, and I want to join the, these two tables. Why should I pay for uh, shipping both A and B um, instead of just shipping one of the two, like the the... Uh, smallest, like just a very simple example. And yeah, so um, 
overall, we see that we need additional hardware resources and human resources. And um, we have additional or redundant data movement, which also is a bottleneck for performance. So um, this is, let's say, uh, why I believe the mediator upper architecture is not um, suitable for all kinds of queries. Fascinating. Yeah. So you've got the, the fact that you've got to provision extra resources and the monetary cost, and then also the fact that you're moving data around, right? Cool. Um, right. And what are the examples of, of systems that are architected in this way? Like what are the most pop- common systems? Yeah. So, I mean, in, in the um, ancient times, you would have this um, Timis system. I think it came from Stanford, if, I, if I'm not wrong. It was a research prototype. Um, then we had a very popular garlic system from IBM. When you um, take a course on data integration, this is like you know like the thing uh, that um, you would talk about. Um, and then, so nowadays we have this very popular Presto system, or like I think Amazon also markets is markets this as um, AWS Athena. Um, we can also do this with Spark, essentially. Uh, every system that allows you to connect to different sources. So, for example, also in Spark SQL, um, I can have different connectors for for different databases. Uh, but there, essentially, we would do the same. Like Spark, um, its distributed engine would act as a middleware. Um, it would connect to the sources, see what it can push down, fetch all the data centrally um, in its execution engine, and, and then perform there all these cross-database operations. Um, yeah, so other approaches are also... Apache Drill, I'm not sure if you're aware of that. So this is based, I think, on, on Google's uh, Dremel paper. Um, we also have Cal- Apache CalSite. Um, there are many systems that allow you to do this kind of analytics. And essentially, there's a, a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of, there's a big market in data integration, I would say. So that there are a lot of systems that um, allow you to do this kind of analytics. And they all rely on this um, mediator upper architecture. Essentially, you have their own query engine, um, you implement or you, you provide the wrappers, essentially the connectors to the underlying sources. And what they do is they fetch the data centrally and perform these cross-database operations there. In the best case, they will also push down certain operations like projection selections um, to transfer less data, let's say. Um, yeah. Cool. Great stuff. So... We've we've kind of discussed like what the problems are with the mediator wrapper approach. Then, can you? I know the system that you've that you've introduced is called XDB, and this idea of a cross DBMS approach for solving this problem. So maybe you could give us the elevator pitch for for this work and the system and for XDB. Yeah, sure. So um, yeah, so nowadays we have um, data in in many different systems. So coming from many different sources, so we have transactional databases or. Um, data from data marketplaces or open data or whatsoever. And these are all hosted on different systems. And to perform analytics on them um, and actually gain value out of the data, we many times need to combine it, to integrate it. And um, so today you would use the mediator upper approach or like systems that are based on the mediator upper architecture. And as we discussed before, this is both slow and expensive. Um, and instead, we propose this uh, cross-database um, query processing paradigm, um, which is leveraging existing systems to process queries. So what does this mean? I have my systems. They know how to process. They know, um, they know how to, let's say, process queries. Um, I want to, um, to exploit them. I don't want to pay um, for a new system. I want to use existing systems. Okay, nice. Can we maybe dig into the details a little bit here about it? So the system that you implement is called XDB, right? So how do you go about achieving this idea of cross-database uh, execution? So the idea um, is to combine um, existing techniques um, from different um, distributed query processing paradigms. So, I mean, the, um, there is the, the mediator upper architecture that we talked about, which is, let's say, based on, the, on, the, uh, on research on federated databases. But then we also have, let's say, distributed and parallel databases, uh, or we have peer-to-peer databases, and they all have some nice characteristics. Um, and we actually take the best from all and um, propose it, propose cross-database query processing. So essentially what we want to have is, um, let's say, in peer-to-peer and, and distributed databases, you have the, the workers, if you wish, 
um, talking with each other. So we want that. Um, this results to efficiency. Um, uh, in the in federated databases, we have this nice uh, user interface uh, that abstracts away all the different sources. Uh, so we want that. Yeah. So essentially, it's it's a it's a mixture um, of all these uh, approaches. Okay. Cool. So given that you've kind of you've taken, I guess, all the all the all the, the best bits, I think, and rolled them all together. How does I guess maybe talk, tell us a little bit more about the actual architecture of XDB? Then what are the core right. components in it? Yeah. 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 Right. So. Um, so let me guide you through, uh, let's say, query processing in, in our uh, system. So like I said before, we want this nice, um, this nice user interface. So um, we expose to the users uh, an interface where they can um, use multiple tables from multiple systems and essentially write SQL queries. And then we take this query and um, we have an optimizer um, that has three phases. So essentially, um, we optimize the query logically, and then we do some um, operator placement. Essentially, we um, want to decide which operation is going to be executed on, on which um, underlying system. Um, then we have what we called um, what we call the um, um, yeah plan finalization. So there we uh, actually um, create the delegation plan, and this delegation plan is the, the let's say core um, abstraction of our system because this is what allows us to then ship instructions to the underlying systems for then executing the query. So essentially, you can imagine uh, we get the query from the user, uh, we optimize it and also decide where it's going to be executed, so which part of the query is going to be executed where, and then we ship certain instructions to the underlying systems such that then in the execution phase, they know how to uh, process the query. And um, yeah, so after building the the delegation plan, we deploy this on the system, on the underlying systems. And this is essentially a cascade of views on different systems. And when we, um, let's say, query the root view, then we start this uh, decentralized decentralized execution. So essentially uh, a recursive evaluation of all the views that we just registered. And we, we can um, talk about the mechanics, of course, later, but this is the, the high-level overview. Okay, cool. So the thing that kind of jumped out there is that, I mean, we'll, maybe we'll talk a little bit more of this when we go into the mechanics, but how are these systems, like, the, is there like a kind of a common language amongst these systems in that you said that they ship instructions between, but you basically determine the instructions you want and then ship to each system and then they kind of communicate with each other. How how do you ensure like what sort of interface do you use? What sort of API do you use to ensure that everyone's sort of speaking the same language? Right, right. So um, in in this paper we focus on relational systems. So essentially, um, yeah, systems with um, relational APIs like SQL APIs, and we also have so what we call say wrappers, or we call them actually database connectors, but essentially it's the same thing. We also have wrappers to translate the instructions from, let's say, our intermediate representation to the underlying systems. And um, so you can imagine we also have wrappers, but they don't really participate in execution. So we just have them to, let's say, deploy this delegation plan to the underlying systems. And what we use is essentially um, views, um, which, I mean, yeah, if not all, most of the systems um, support. And we also use now for this for the systems to talk with each other, we um, rely on um, the SQL MED standard. So I'm not sure if you're aware of the SQL MED standard. So um, let me um, yeah, say a few sentences about this. So I think this was introduced in the late 90s or beginning of the 2000. And MED stands for Management of External Data. And essentially, this was introduced to allow um, databases process queries with tables that are not located um, physically within the systems. So, you know, because databases, <laughs> uh, community has also received a lot of criticism um, about this. So databases actually cage um, the data. So essentially a database wants to know, like uh, wants to decide how the data is going to be layout, um, how the data is going to look like um, and, and um, where, where uh, um, uh, what kind of indexes you, you're going to build on it. So, Essentially, database needs to know about the data, but 
many times um, in in um, yeah industrial scenarios, you you need to also uh, you know combine multiple data sources. So I think it was introduced to allow users querying let's say text files or spreadsheets um, together um, with their tables in the databases, and um, then. It was also extended to allow querying um, data from different databases. So, and um, the SQL Med standard is implemented by many of today's um, systems. And yeah, as with any standard, every database vendor tries their best, let's say. And we have in, in Postgres, let's say this is implemented through what they call foreign data wrappers. Um, essentially, you give um, yeah some connection details. Um, or you, you can have, let's say, a JDBC um, foreign data wrapper where you just load your JDBC driver and, you know, the connection details and then you, you can query the data. Or in, in MariaDB, it's implemented through a new uh, storage engine, which is called the Connect engine. Um, I don't know, in Apache Hive, um, it, it can be supported also through a JDBC connector. So they're, uh, they're called external tables, not foreign tables. Um, essentially, we see many vendors implementing it in many different ways, but the functionality remains the same. So, um, yeah, so the SQL Med standard allows you to um, process query on a database um, on data that is not native to it, and um, it fetches it during the runtime. Closing the parentheses on the SQL Med standard. So, again, going back to your original question, so we use, let's say, um, wrappers ourselves to send the instructions to the underlying systems, uh, which are essentially just translating relational operations to database-specific dialects. And um, for the communication between the systems, we use a SQL Med standard. Cool. Um, so you, you alluded to it a little bit earlier, but let's, let's go and let's dig into the mechanics. And if there's these two phases in XDB, the delegation and the execution phases, so maybe you can Let's start off with the delegation phase, and then we'll we'll move on to the execution phase. Yeah, so actually, um, before the delegation phase, we also have this uh, optimization um, phase, let's say. So um, as I said before, we get the query from the user, and then we have the three-phase uh, optimization. Um, so in the first phase, we and we do this because, I mean, if you think about it, query optimization is already, like, super hard, you know? And then in a distributed system, it's, like, a bit harder. And then we are also in this kind of black box environment and it, there it gets even more out of hand. Um, so we decide to have this three-phase approach to, let's say, yeah, simplify a bit um, optimization. So the, in the um, first phase, we act as if we um, would be on a, on a single um, machine, on a single uh, database system. Essentially, um, we do... Um, yeah, traditional query optimization, like, you know, selection, projection, push down, um, join ordering based on existing statistics, this kind of stuff. And then when we have this, yeah, let's say logically, but not yeah, entirely logically, because we also do join ordering, which is based on statistics. But let's say we have kind of an optimal plan. We need to decide um, um, where to place each operation, right? And now we make several assumptions here so for example all the operations so having a, a, a query plan um, and so traversing it uh, bottom up let's say all the operations that can that originate from a single um, database we want to um, keep it on that database on, on that system right so it doesn't make sense to um, you know send my data away and, and then apply a projection so essentially i would want to um, yeah um minimize the, the data that I transfer as much as possible yeah so that means that f for every let's say non cross database operation we place it on, on the system of its origin and now for cross database operations we assume that it's good to execute it either on the one system or on the other and not on a third one so essentially yeah we don't want to rely on this, um, let's say, mediator um, pattern again, where you know we have a third system and we ship our two data sets to to another to another third system. So we make this assumption that it's good to you know transfer less data, um, and for so this means that for cross database operations, we just 
um, pick between um, these two systems. Yeah, and then we um, essentially place um, all the operations um, on the system. So we traverse our query plan bottom-up and we decide the operator placement. So where is gonna, um, each operator going to be executed? Yeah, then we um, create, in the last phase, we create what, what we call this delegation plan. Essentially, a delegation plan, um, you can imagine it as a direct acyclic graph. So we have nodes that are tasks. And then we also have... Um, edges between those nodes that are the data movement, right? And now how we uh, construct this um, this delegation plan is by fusing together all the operators uh, that have the same annotation, right? So you can imagine again, we traverse our, our, our query plan bottom-up, now it's annotated, and we fuse together all the operators with the same annotations into one task. With the annotations... What so how, how do I, I? I think I missed the step on like how I like what the annotations refer to. Um, during this operator placement phase, um, we want to decide for each uh, operator um, where it's going to be executed. So essentially, the annotation is the database system that this uh, operation is going to be executed on. And um, I mean, you you can imagine uh, like a query plan, which is this tree with relational operators and we go operator by operator and we decide, okay, this operator is going to be executed there. This operator is going to be executed there. Here, um, um, I mean, during the optimization, we need yeah, to decide um, two things. Essentially, one, where the operator is going to be executed and the other is um, how the data is going to be moved. And now... I'd like to uh, talk a bit about how we decide the placement, right? So we have this cross-database operation. Essentially, I'm at a, um, a node now in, in my uh, query graph, in my query tree, um, that has inputs from two, two different sources. And there is where I need to decide, okay, where am I going to place this? And so for that, we, we have two approaches. Let's say one is, let's say we ask the systems, so... Um, you, you know, there is like uh, this explain-like functionality in the systems and there you also have a cost. So we ask um, the underlying systems like, oh, hey, um, if I would execute this query uh, on, on your system, how much would I pay? And then we also ask the other system and um, yeah, then we um, decide. But um, of course... This is only like in an ideal world where I have the same database type, let's say, and, uh, which gives me the same um, cost unit. And what we can do there is, let's say, to um, to calibrate um, between the costs, between the different costs, or to even calibrate, um, let's say, execute different queries on, on different systems and see how they perform between each other. And then depending on the characteristics of my queries and my data, I have some, let's say, yeah, function that gives me which placement is is better, let's say. But we're also looking um, in yeah, machine learning techniques to learn the costs, essentially um, executing many operations um, on, on many systems. And then, let's say, let the model tell us, okay, you know, like if you have this join and you're going to choose between this and this system, um, choose this one. Uh, because we we want to support this more like in a so right now we're more like in the gray box uh, scenario where we have some kind of cost or something but if we um, want to let's say be really dark black box we yeah we need to look into uh, this uh, say machine learning approach where we ask different systems uh, so we run different queries and then and then based on the data and query characteristics um, we can decide. So this is the, the first thing that we want to that we need to decide placing the operations, and then second is the data movement. So what types of data movement do we have? Uh, so right now we just have two, um, but essentially this is pipelining or materializing. So because I can move the data either um, you know by pipelining it or or uh, materializing it, and so why would I want to choose between two? Because many systems. Um, would choose different uh, local execution strategies if the data is local to them. So, for example, um, with Postgres and its foreign data wrappers, um, it cannot parallelize operations when 
Um, let's say we use the foreign data wrapper. Um, instead, um, when we materialize the data, it can do parallel processing. So this can, in some cases, lead to uh, better performance. So essentially, these are the two things um, that we decide. So where um, are the operations going to be placed and how is the data going to be moved? And once we decide this, we, um, let's say, encode this information um, into the delegation plan. I had a question there on the... On, when you are determining the cost of like moving data around, do you factor in the actual dollar cost of moving? Let's say you're operating like a cloud environment of moving data data between sort of maybe moving it from AWS to Azure or something like that, or does that sort of that sort of out of scope? Yeah, uh, very interesting question. So we actually um, don't look at monetary costs right now, but I mean these are things that you can. Um, that you can build into your um, optimizer. So, so also, I mean, we, I guess we're going to talk about this later. But also in the evaluation, we we kind of um, evaluate also how, how much data is flowing around, right? And you know, sometimes you might have different constraints. So, um, for example, you might have three databases that are all located um, in an AWS region, and so I don't know how the pricing works, but. I, I suppose I assume that let's say it's cheaper to move data within a cloud vendor than like you know switching cloud vendors, but um, these properties you can all somehow encode uh, or like um, add to your optimizer. Another example for this would be let's say now we assume that we have this let's say uh, mesh topology where all the nodes are connected with other nodes, which might not be true because sometimes. Um, you might have, let's say, uh, an intranet, and there maybe within the intranet, three databases can communicate with each other, but then, um, yeah, only one can communicate with the outside world. So we would have, let's say, placement constraints. And these are all things that um, we also plan to look at and like enhance our optimizer. Um, so, yeah, the, the first step is, was just to, you know, get something to actually have some um, somehow optimal uh, query plans and this worked fine. Uh, but of course, there are many ways uh, we can extend this. And let's say this intra-cloud or inter-cloud communication is definitely one of the things. I, I think also um, there was a, a paper about that. It's called now Sky Computing, like, right? Um, I think it was a, this uh, American uh, Hot OS conference, I, I think, yeah. where they talk about this, um, yeah, processing data over multiple clouds and like the next cloud computing thing, let's say. Uh, just let me add one more um, thing on that. So I, I think also, um, I mean, I, I mentioned before data marketplaces, but so the focus right now in data marketplaces is. Um, let's say buying and selling data, um, but I think this is going to evolve into like buying data together with compute. Because let's say um, we we have several open issues. Let's say I I want to um, let's say um, you, you're a data supplier, okay, and I'm I buy your data, and now um, I I want to let's say get it, um, but I mean you host the data. I don't. I, I don't not physically copy it, um, but then I want to do uh, operations on the data. So, for example, I want to select or project or aggregate. Who pays for that? Do you pay as a data supplier or like how? how I don't know. Like um, I'm also not into um, this um, area of research, but I think if let's say data suppliers also start thinking about compute uh, together with data. Um, this will be a very interesting uh, direction. And there was this, uh, I'm not sure if you're aware of the Mariposa um, paper. So this is also about data integration, but also views it from the um, economical perspective. So data marketplaces is going to play an important role in the upcoming years. And I, I also think that we'll need different uh, processing paradigms um, to you know combine data from multiple um, providers, and different um, follow different um, uh, legislatory constraints, so GDPR, um, things like, oh, this data cannot move out of this continent, things like that. 
Um, but yeah, this is all yeah <laughs> in the future. Okay, cool. Yeah, so where were we in the... We were talking about... Because we got a little bit sidetracked there, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we were talking um, about the, the details and the mechanisms of, of XDB. And we, we spoke about the delegation phase. Had we gotten to the right. execution phase? Yeah, no. We talked about optimization and delegation. Um, and now um, we're going to talk about execution, I guess. Um, so, okay. Um where were we? We had our delegation plan, okay? And um, so actually we, we need to, uh, let, let me refresh the delegation phase. So we take all these tasks and um, we translate them into DBMS-specific statements. So this is where our database connectors or wrappers come into play, right? Because I have some tasks having some relational algebra um, expressions and now I have different databases I need to like, yeah, somehow store these tasks on the databases. So what we do is we go task by task and we register our um, tasks um, as views um, on the systems. So essentially, um, I go, I have my first task. Um, I go to my first system. I register it as a view. Now, this task is a dependency for the next next task. So what I do is I go to the next system and I register this uh, view as a foreign table. Foreign tables we talked about before, right? And then I, um, let's say, define another view that joins the foreign table with a local table. And then I do this for the remaining tasks. And what we have now is a cascade of views on, on multiple systems, right? And, and up to now, nothing was uh, really executed. So we deployed our plan, essentially. Now we have a cascade of views. Um, essentially, these are the instructions that um, for, for the databases to then execute the query plan, right? So now we have all those views on all the systems. And if we want to execute that query, the only thing that we need to do is to go to the last um, system. And okay, this we abstract also way through our XDB client, but what happens... Um, Behind the scenes is we execute the last view on the system. So essentially, the root, um, the, the view uh, of the root node of our query plan. And uh, by executing it, it will need to recursively evaluate the rest of the views, right? So, and this has this, um, yeah, let's call it trickle down effect, um, where one view um, evaluates the other view and then. Um, tuples start flowing. I mean, when we reach the last uh, or like the first registered view, um, tuples start um, flowing through the systems, right? And and then um, we have this nice um, um, inter-DBMS pipeline where, um, yeah, we execute parts of the query on different systems um, in a decentralized way. And yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. Awesome. There was... Uh... One question that jumped out at me, and maybe this is a bit of a, a stupid question, but you end up with this sort of like decentralized execution, right? And is there any notion of like a, a session between? So I'm guessing what I'm trying to say here is, is like, is one DBMS kind of aware that it's a member of like a, a bigger query, basically, or other than the fact that it obviously has some like views created, some like foreign tables created, but is, is it aware that that's sort of like tagged with? this is query one, basically, sort of thing that I'm trying to run here, or a query with some ID, or is it totally like it just does its part and passes it on and then forgets about it? Yeah, good question. So actually, you it, so the, the, the DBMS itself, no, it doesn't know that uh, it's part of this bigger execution plan, right? It, it, just need, it, it just knows I'm executing this part of the query. It doesn't even know that it's, um, but this thing that it's executing is part of a bigger query. But yeah, so then, of course, we got also questions like, um, uh, you know, are ah, you assume um, access um, for um, injecting external data into systems and this is not allowed and, and things like that. And, and I believe that this is more like of a kind of like an implementation detail that... Let's say we we should have access to a, um, let's say special part of the database where we are allowed to create you know temporary tables and things, 
And there also need to be some mechanics there to, you know, clean up after the query execution because, you know, we create all those views and foreign tables. And yes, of course, I mean, after each query, um, we, we need to clean up and there are mechanisms for that. Yeah. So, um, we're also working on, um, let's say, um, at some point releasing XDB. Um, and there we want something more sophisticated. So right now it's just, you know, registering some views for in tables showing, okay, this works. Um, but of course, if you um, want to do it in a more principled way, like, you know, production like ready, I will not even say production ready or something. Um, yeah, we would need something like sessions and each user being assigned to different, um, yeah, um, registered views and, and like to avoid name collisions and clean up, even if, you know, something crashes to have some mechanism there to be able to clean up things. Yes, yes, of course. Um, I guess let's talk a little bit more about um, about XDB then. So how did you go about kind of implementing it? And obviously it's very much proof of concept at the moment, but like maybe you can talk through the engineering effort that went into it and how we went about doing it. Yeah, so... The nice thing about XDB is that it's really simple. I mean, um, so, I mean, I implemented it in Java, but, you know, you could have used pretty much any um, yeah, language to implement it. Yeah, so um, what we're also working on is, let's say, um, um, transitioning to CalSite for also query parsing and um, parts of the optimization. So I'm not sure if you're aware of Apache CalSite, so super powerful um, uh, query, not only query optimization framework, but also um, query parsing and, and things like that. Also, it also has an execution engine. I mean, it's an in-memory Java-based engine, which is not too performant, but um, yeah, many different projects use it um, either for SQL parsing or for query optimization. So I don't know. Also, Apache Hive uses it. Flink uses it. Um, Many systems rely on Apache Consight. And um, yeah, but right now, you know, like we have, um, yeah, pretty simple query parsing, um, straightforward uh, traditional query optimization techniques. And um, yeah, database connectors we implement uh, essentially through, um, yeah, the, the respective, I don't know, like, yeah, we just need the respective, um, yeah, JDBC drivers and, um, yeah, the, the different, uh, so we have interfaces for, for that define the different methods to, to do the specifics of uh, the delegation. So, um, some, um, systems, let's say it's called like create external table and others is like create foreign table. Um, you need different, um, yeah, let's say configurations, but, um, yeah, I mean, the, the idea is pretty simple and, um, also the implementation, and we're actually um, working on releasing a, a nice version of it. Nice, that's great. I was going to ask at some point, kind of, is this is it publicly available? Uh, but I guess soon it will be. Is the answer? I mean, to it, that. it is also right now. Yeah. Um, it's just that you know we're um, yeah preparing it a little bit. Um, yeah, we, we're preening it up. Giving it, giving it a, a polish, yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> awesome. How, how long did it take to implement, by the way? Like, what was the sort of time there, duration? You said it was quite straightforward to do? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's uh, quite straightforward. And I I mean, I can't tell you now, like, a time range or something because I I actually worked on many different things at the same time. Oh, so okay. yeah. um, I, I don't have it in my head right now. But it's uh, it's pretty straightforward. Also, adding a new system. So if you just implement this interface with, you know, like register, foreign table, uh, create view, things like that, it's um, very easy to add also new systems. Okay, cool. Yeah. Okay, cool. I guess let's talk. Let's talk evaluation then. So we, I, I'm 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 convinced that the cross database. Uh, approach is the way across DB is the uh, <laughs> approach to go. So let's talk some numbers. So let, let's nice. go into the evaluation and maybe tell us, paint the picture for us here. What were you trying to about? What, what questions were you trying to answer? And like, what was the setup? And everything? Yeah, yeah, sure. So again, the the goal, um, the general goal of XDB is also um, to kind of leverage uh, and exploit what's already out there. So 
my initial thought was um okay you know um we have all those systems so we have data stored on different database management systems and they all know how to do um um relational operations so why do we need this extra system and um these extra systems uh, that are uh, let's say um introduced for this kind of job so what one may call federated query engines they're quite power- powerful in their um within their execution engine and um one would um yeah say that it's a very difficult fight because there has been a lot of yeah let's say engineering effort and and yeah a lot of effort in in building those query engines so I'm, now i'm talking let's say about presto let's say or apache spark um yeah so the main dimensions that um we wanted to uh, evaluate are um let's say three or like four um depending on how you see it so first runtime performance so right i mean everyone wants to have fast queries right um then um we also touched this a bit before um we have um the the amount of data that is transferred right so how much data do we actually transfer because you know in the beginning i said oh we transfer less and so we wanted to see like okay do we really transfer less um and um so the first two things also uh, um have also so there we we are also interested in uh, let's say scaling uh, the system both in terms of systems that participate or like um joins in a query or like uh, different data sizes right and then um we're also interested in the overhead that we produce with our um optimization and delegation phase right because we do multiple round trips with the databases and one might say oh you know um this is expensive you do all those round trips uh, ask for the costs uh, register all the views you know this um this may be a bottleneck um so evaluate um xdb and our um in situ approach um following those dimensions and um with regard to um uh runtime performance so um actually we compare our system to the baselines i i mentioned before um presto but we actually compare against um trino which is this uh, fork of presto that's a bit more actively maintained and we also compare against the single node postgres which we use as a mediator so essentially you can use this uh, sql med standard also to act as a mediator right so i have one postgres i register all the underlying tables um on it yeah so with regard to performance we saw that um we're up to six times um faster and uh, i mean we 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 um i didn't mention that so the the setup is as follows we we take uh, the tpch data data set so this is like the standard benchmarking data set for all up queries so we now take this um, data set and we distribute it on on multiple um systems so we put different tables on different systems and uh, to also have kind of different uh, topology characteristics we we have what we call those table distributions so we place the tables differently um every time and um yeah we executed some tpch queries actually the ones uh, with, with the joins and um yeah so we saw that um with regard to performance we we can achieve um performance improvements um and this is based also on the fact that we are kind of parallelizing the query between the nodes right and we also transfer less data and now coming to data transfer um there we evaluate two uh, scenarios one is where let's say we have um xdb on the cloud essentially as a mediator um and uh, the systems are all on premise and there we measure the data that goes from the let's say on premise infrastructure um to the cloud and we also have what we call in the paper the geo distributed setup there we have this let's say geo distributed setup of the systems and we measure all the data that flows between the systems and there we also saw that um yeah we we actually move um quite um less data than the mediator up approach 
And then um, finally, um, with regard to this, I mean, of course, we also executed um, the, the different queries with different scale factors, right? So this is, um, let's say, different sizes of data. And um, yeah, we saw that the performance scales well. And yeah, finally, we also execute. Um, so we measure all those, uh, let's say, um, let me call them preparation phases um, before execution. And there we saw that, um, okay, this the overhead is very minimal. So the worst case, we had a 10-second overhead. I mean, of course, for short queries, um, 10 seconds is a lot. Yeah, but... Um, yeah, when you need when you have larger scale factors and you need to wait more for for the query um, to finish, um, this overhead is is quite negligible. Okay, cool. Yes, I, I'm 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 convinced that the next time I need to do some cross database query processing, I, I need XDB. <laughs> um, but right. I guess I guess to play sort of um, devil's advocate, or maybe not devil's advocate, but to take the other side for a moment, mm -hmm. what are mm -hmm. the limitations of XDB, and like what scenarios is the performance suboptimal? I mean, maybe touched on one there. Like if you've got short queries, the preparation phase proportionally to it can be quite long, can maybe dominate the query performance almost. But are there any other um, kind of limitations? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So limitations with with regard to performance. Yeah, with regard to performance and maybe just sort of um, the general sort of well, like usability. This is some obviously it's, it's mm -hmm, a prototype, mm -hmm. but I mean some of the shortcomings yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah. So um, look. So now we rely on. Um, so in the evaluation, we also we have two um, we have two setups. The one is where we um, use uh, let's say all Postgres uh, databases with their uh, foreign data wrappers because they have this what um, let's say. Uh, what they call, an, or I call it the native foreign wrapper, which is specialized for Postgres, let's say. Um, but we also have a, a heterogeneous um, setup where we use um, Postgres, MariaDB, and Hive. Um, and there um, we also, so the performance also uh, depends on the performance of this um, implementation of the SQL Med standard. Right? So we do the um, we do the evaluation on the heterogeneous setup to show um, that it's possible and that still we have uh, performance gains. But of course, there uh, we're we are more dependent um, on the implementation of the um, SQL Med standard. So, for example, if you have a slow JDBC driver, um, yeah, this might result to suboptimal performance, right? And uh, but this is. This is this is also then this would also hurt let's say um, the me the mediator because it would use the same kind of connector but yeah essentially um, this is one thing and then also if you think about it um, yeah so, um, we we may run into suboptimal performance uh, because of different query characteristics so. If you have, let's say, I don't know, if you want to union the results of intermediate results of many databases, this might lead to, let's say, more um, data transfer. But um, yeah, so this is another case. Cool. Yeah, I mean, um, that, 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 that makes sense. I guess I, this is the, the, the sort of the, not the, the, the use of SQL kind of men and the fact that you've scoped this work initially to focus on relational systems. I guess maybe it's on you. We can maybe touch on this when we speak about future work, but I guess right, right. have you going to explore maybe systems with different data models like key value stores, graph databases to have to kind of support processing across the heterogeneous data models as well? Right, right, right. Uh, very, very interesting question. And also, I mean, yes, you can see that also as a limitation of uh, the current XDB uh, so that it works only for, let's say, relational systems. And yeah, so... There we have there has been the idea of extending it also to other data models and um, query languages as well. So the the concept um, would uh, still remain the same, right? So you could still instead of centralizing all your data, kind of let different systems talk with each other. Um, and now I I also think if it's uh, about joining um, data. It shouldn't be a problem either, um, but um, yeah, then 
when we run into, let's say, different semantics of data and also um, yeah, different, yeah, how to say, query languages or like um, uh, uh, query representations, um, we get into other um, troubles. And this is what also the poly stores, the poly store arena, uh, the poly store research area um, try to address um, a bit. But yeah, uh, so we're definitely also looking into incorporating other systems. Essentially, what we need um, is, let's say, views and foreign tables or some kind of the SQL Math standard. And um, yeah, we're actually um, looking into that. Nice, cool. I'd be really interested to see how that that work that that work develops. Mm. Um, cool. So I guess kind of. Bringing it sort of the work back to sort of like maybe how a software developer might be able to leverage your findings on your on your or like a data engineer or whatever might be able to leverage the sort of the, the findings in your research. Kind of what sort of impact do you think it can have? I guess is what I'm trying to ask. You could think of um, the idea of decentralized query processing, right? Because you know whenever um, you get into this situation where you need to join data from two different sources, you're like, okay. I'm going to have this um, new system and uh, I'm going to use that to integrate. But yeah, maybe one um, finding is that uh, there are already good enough systems out there and we should see how we can um, leverage them to the maximum instead of, you know, every time uh, building a new system, reinventing the wheel. Um, decentralization um, can also pay off under... Of course, under the right circumstances, right? So you, you cannot um, apply this to like every um, use case, but um, yeah, essentially um, e leveraging what is what is out there, and we have a lot of good, really good um, databases. Um, so, for example, Postgres is like really um, well as an open source project um, is really strong. I, I admire it. Um, right, also other uh, database systems out there and. Um, yeah, we should um, leverage what's out there and um, not try introducing new concepts, new systems all the time. So the next question then, and you, we've mentioned a little bit throughout throughout the course of the, of the, of the show, but what's next for XDB? What's the roadmap? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, so we mentioned um, extending it um, uh, beyond the relational model. So want to support more, let's say, yeah, nowadays you would call them NoSQL databases. Um, um, there is a lot, uh, there is more um, that needs to be done in the optimizer. Um, so different assumptions that we make in this work, um, we want to kind of lift them. Um, and um, yeah, so enhance the optimizer. And then... Um, yeah, so also with regard to data movement. So we want to see there um, how we can um, do things better because um, with this decentralized approach, um, we have, let's say, intensive uh, system communications, let's say. Uh, the, um, the mediator upper, by the way, also has, um, but we have different, uh, between different types of systems and, and things like that. So... Um, we also want to look there um, how we can do this um, more efficient and, and more uh, generalized. And I hope that in the future I can also tell you about those things. Yeah, for sure. We'll get you back on to tell us about those in the future, <laughs> for definite. The next question is something I ask, I ask all, all my guests. So how do you go about kind of generating these ideas and then selecting the ones to work? And like, what's your process behind coming up with all these really cool, interesting projects? Oof. Yeah. Um, so I'm a lot on Twitter. <laughs> I mean, I just recently joined, uh, but I see what people are talking about there. I see what um, people are complaining about because I ideally I want my research to be practical. I mean, like, um, yeah, people should benefit from it um, soon uh, because, you know, as researchers and you, you probably also know, like, you know, we do some 
we come up with some problems and solutions and you know then we hope that you know in 10 or 20 years when someone uh, stumbles across this problem they will you know open the book of the wise people and they will you know find this one um approach like oh this is how i'm going to implement it uh which is happening nowadays so i think i uh, so uh, um so when, when talking to people building database systems they're like oh yeah of course we use standard techniques i mean when you you're going to build a database system you're not going to invent your new join algorithm of course you're going to you know go back to what was out there uh but yeah so then this is also what i like about databases so it's quite practical and it touches also many different domains right everyone somehow interacts with a database um so yeah i see what problems um people have um i try to talk a lot with people um like also students you know bachelor master students um because they can also you know um provoke you and like question uh, your your research sometimes the silliest questions are are the ones um that you know make you um think a step forward um yeah and then i don't know walking uh, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah that's, that's a really nice really nice answer to that question so yeah pen, uh, penultimate question now um what do you think is the biggest challenge in database research right now yeah so um the biggest challenge in in our community um i would say is to um somehow fit ai into the picture <laughs> uh, so everyone is talking about ai and you know like with different um ways like all oh, machine learning or one thing or the other um and there is the fear in the community somehow that um everything now is about machine learning and like pure um database research will somehow vanish and i mean if you look into the conferences um um which you probably do um you'll see that you know a lot of work is um about um yeah machine learning um and I think a big challenge, uh, but but I think we're we're um, tackling it um, the, the right way is to see uh, how we can actually leverage um, machine learning to our benefit um, and and not let it um, yeah uh, destroy us um, or c consume us. And we see there is a nice. Um, um line of work um which is called i mean you have uh, systems for ml right and and then you have also ml for systems and uh, this is a pretty interesting um line of work um i think yeah we're still early um to make uh, uh conclusions um but i'm sure that let's say we can um leverage machine learning um, for database research. Um, and I'm really curious to see what the future will bring on this. We have multiple startups in the space and um, we have identified several use cases where using machine learning um, is beneficial. But yeah, I think we have a, a longer road uh, in front of us. Yeah, it's a really interesting direction to see how that plays out. Cool. Um, it's time for, for, the, for the last word now. So what's the one takeaway you want listeners to take away from this from this, this episode today and from your work on XDB? Yeah, so um, with, regard, uh, with regard to XDB, um, and I mean, uh, one can also generalize this. So... Um, we we don't need a, a new query engine um, or or a new um, yeah yeah we don't need a new query engine for for everything we we have good engines out there we have good um, existing um, pieces of work out there and um, we we just need to find the right ways to leverage them and um, yeah sometimes um, decentralizing things can be beneficial um 
so yeah, I think from my side, um, that's it. Um, Brilliant. Let's let's end it there. Thank you so much, Harlampus, for coming on. It's been a fantastic episode. Uh, if the listeners more is interested to know more about Harlampus's work, I'll put the links to everything in uh, all the relevant materials in the show notes, and you can support the podcast through uh, buy me a coffee, and we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. And we'll see you all next time for some more awesome computer science research.